Tech Economy Conference Detroit. Kari Frazier here on behalf of the Michigan Citizen and Detroit is Different. And right now I have a special guest from the AFLCIO. So that's really big for Detroit. Also in Michigan, we have Liz Schuler, who is the secretary treasurer of the AFLCIO. Also, she is an officer for the women and youth engagement of the AFLCIO, which is unique in itself. She was on one of the first panels that I saw this morning. So it's fresh in the morning. And the first question I have to ask you on behalf of this is, why are you having an interest in technology? Sure. Um, so first of all, for those who don't know, the AFL-CIO is an umbrella organization of 57 different unions. And we represent um, probably folks would traditionally see being in Michigan, obviously auto workers and um, folks in heavy industry and construction. But we also represent, you know, a whole range of professionals and technical workers, nurses, teachers, uh, professional athletes in the NFL, and uh, actors as well in the movies. So it really runs the gamut of types of work that we try to be a voice for workers on. And the reason we wanted to be here today at Techonomy is pretty simple. I think, you know, technology is changing the world of work. And it would be uh, probably very short-sighted if we were to continue to do business as we've always done it and not acknowledge the fact that there is so much uh, changing at the, at the cutting edge of technology. And so we wanted to be a part of the conversation. It's not a usual conversation for us to be in. And so we're meeting and talking and exchanging ideas and, and really um, you know, exploring. Okay. Now, personally, how has it affected your family over time? Okay, well, I come out of Portland, Oregon originally, and my family, we worked, my father worked for the electric utility company, uh, started out as a power lineman, and my mother uh, was sort of classically staying at home working, raising children, and got back into the workforce later in life, and she also worked for the utility company, so it was kind of a big employer in our area, and it was kind of the day where people worked at the same place for 30 years and retired, right? And uh, I went through school working also um, at the utility company during the summer. And then when I graduated, the economy was a lot like it is now where the job opportunities for young people were pretty grim. And so I was working part-time jobs and trying to, to get by. And it turned out the uh, utility company was trying to organize clerical workers. Hmm. And so I got involved in the organizing campaign and it was mainly women. And, um, and so one, I guess, aspect of technology that probably affected uh, kind of how the utility company changed was um, Enron came in. I don't know if you remember Enron. Um, came in and bought the small utility company and started changing the business model. And they were obviously getting involved in technologies and investing in all kinds of different businesses. And the sleepy little utility company was sort of a cash cow for them. And ultimately, they Enron went bankrupt. It uh, basically ruined the lives of a lot of the working people there because their pensions ended up being sacrificed mm. as a result. And my father, who was getting ready to retire literally the next year, lost his pension. Mm. So um, that had a huge impact on our family, obviously. And um, I ended up dedicating my life 
advocating for workers as a result because I ended up staying and working with a local union that represented the workers at that utility company. Okay, now from that perspective, because Enron is definitely like, when you talk about a change and shift and looking at what happens with corporate greed and also a technology-based company being very aggressive about how they move forward with their industry, how can the working man, how can the AFL-CIO arm the working man so that they can prepare for something like that? And instead of it being something for corporations to take advantage of, workers can take advantage of technology. I love that point because I think that's one of the things we're afraid of is, you know, right now technology's changing and growing so fast, we're not really keeping up with how are the benefits of technology being broadly shared. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're seeing in this economy right now the inequality and the gap that's grown between those who have a lot and the rest of us, right? And so we want to make sure that technology is held to the same standard, right? That, you know, the people who are this very small group of people who are controlling technology and how it grows and the benefits of it um, are held in, in some ways accountable, um, you know, that that really the rest of us who should be having a voice in this economy, who should uh, have access to good jobs and, and training and, um, you know, the old-fashioned notion of, of a good day's pay for a hard day's work, um, that that can still actually be a part of our value system. And so um, I was on stage this morning talking about that, you know, staying rooted, we as Americans, in mm-hmm. those values. I mean, sure, workplaces can change technology can change but we still should be standing for equality and fairness and the idea that you can come together collectively mm-hmm. to make change and to have a voice and in some ways unions have been that voice right a lot of people coming together to hold corporations accountable because you really don't have power in the economy unless you join together Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our fundamental core belief. But um, really, as far as how the working person can um, have uh, access to technology, I think a lot of it is is rooted in training and education. Mm-hmm. The labor movement actually is the second largest provider of training in this country behind the U.S. military. And a lot of people don't know that. But we have a whole system of apprenticeship, um, not only in probably you're familiar with the auto industry, but certainly in construction over a hundred year history um, and manufacturing is something I would point out because there's a whole renaissance going on in this country around new manufacturing and we're helping to develop you know sort of this notion of a career ladder that even if you don't go to college that you should be able to access training and good paying jobs um, in some of these new industries. Okay, now I'm going to close out with the question about Detroit because it's always like near and dear to my heart. And when you look at Detroit, it's a lot of challenges here, but it's also a lot of opportunity. So when we think about working and working in technology and getting that training, how do you feel that the Detroiter that feels displaced, that is very upset, very pessimistic towards like everything that's happening, how can they get involved, really step into the fold and be a part of something like a union and get some work? Because it's a lot of people I know that are part of unions. One in particular, I know a woman and she said, I'm gonna get this training in construction and then I should be able to get access to it. Mm -hmm. But then people start feeling like, okay, I'm a woman, I can't get access. I'm black, I can't get access. I'm not the right age, I can't get access. I don't have experience, I can't get access. Like, So how do you take that training and then apply that training into a career? 
Well, um, for the woman who was looking for the training and uh, having access to that union apprenticeship really has been the ticket to for a lot of women because in the union movement, uh, we have collective bargaining and our contracts actually don't distinguish between whether someone, uh, you know, is a woman or a man. It does, you know, it's gender neutral in some ways. It's, it's uh, colorblind, right? Because it's based on skills, it's based on classifications, and it's written in the contract, you get paid this much for this type of work. And so I think the union contract is actually the greatest pay equalizer, especially for women. Um, and so I, I don't know that a lot of people know that, but I think um, the idea that we can provide more access to people um, for these types of training, and it really is rooted in the community. And I would say that the AFL-CIO and its 57 unions are doing more than ever to engage in communities and, and collaborate and work in partnership with um, you know many progressive organizations on the ground. And so our labor movement is you know wide open and you know looking for new ways of you know solving problems creatively. And so I think just leaving folks with this idea that you aren't alone, that you can come together um, and bring your voices uh, collectively together as one to have more strength and more power and that's kind of what the union movement was funded or founded on and that we're actually um, working again to um, strengthen a community like Detroit um, by you know saying this isn't a closed club this is you know we're open for all and we want to come together with as many people as we can find to find new ways to solve the problems well thank you so much thank you I appreciate it